Well, good evening, Summit Church. It's great to see you here tonight. My name is Andy, one of the pastors here, and we're so excited that you could join us tonight. Like Brian said, uh, we are in the book of Proverbs. This is our final night in this series. We're concluding it this evening uh, as we talk about our words, our speech, really the way that we talk. And I'm really excited about tonight. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, And let me just say up front, I really believe that this is relevant for all of us here tonight, uh, really for two different reasons. First of all, um, let me just say, I I think this is relevant for all of us, regardless of your religious background, regardless of how you grew up. I think this is relevant, first of all, when we talk about our speech and our words, really, if for no other reason, because of the sheer number of words that we speak each day. Now, if you were to guess, I mean, just to even think about this, imagine for a moment, if you were to guess, hypothetically, how many words that you speak on average each day, how many do you think you might speak? I mean, think about it, maybe 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 words. To be honest, I really had no idea personally uh, until this last week. I went and read an article uh, by, it was a research study done at the uh, University of Arizona that set up this entire research experiment to figure out the answer to that question. And here's what was really fascinating. The study concluded that both men and women, uh, they both speak on average approximately 16,000 words every day. 16,000 words. I don't know from the look of it, nobody's like impressed with that. Uh, I was really surprised. I was like, that is a lot of words, uh, especially for anybody who's like, a little bit more verbose than the normal average person. I mean, there are people who speak upwards of thirty to 40,000 words every single day. So if you kind of consider yourself one of those people, realize that that's the number of words that are coming out of your mouth every single day. Now, I think, you know, like I said, the reason why we're talking about speech tonight should be relevant if just for the sheer number of words that you are speaking each day. Uh, this is kind of a study that helps uh, support that. Now, secondly, I think this is also relevant for all of us because all of us can probably think of a time in the not too distant past, maybe even on your drive to church tonight, where you've used a portion of those 16,000 words saying something that you wish you wouldn't have said. Am I right? I mean, there, has there been a time in your life where you can remember, you can think about a time where you wish you wouldn't have said the words that you chose to use, even especially some of those times that as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're realizing, I wish I wouldn't say, I wish I could do the time out. I wish I could just recollect all those words and erase them from existence. And, and we've all had moments in our lives like that when those words just seem to come out and we wish we could erase them. And this week, actually, I was thinking about uh, this, you know, these, these instances, these times in our lives when this happens to all of us. And I was reminded of something that happened uh, when I was younger. And I may have even shared this before. I can't remember, but it had such an impact. I mean, I'm going to share it again because when I was a little kid, I remember um, going to the grocery store with my mom. And uh, we are in the checkout line, and my mom uh, is perhaps the most social person I've ever met in my life. She, I mean, she just is one of those people, probably too social for her own good at times. Words just come out so quickly. I think they bypass any type of filtration system, and they're just, they're out there. And, uh, and we were at the, the grocery store, and I remember it being in a line. The clerk was getting ready to check us out. My mom's, you know, going through her purse, and then she looks up, and then this is what she says. Oh, how far along are you? <laughs> You're right. I, I, I remember looking up at my mom thinking, what did you just do? Um, and I, you know, I'm right between the two of them, between the clerk, between my mom. And um, I remember the look on that clerk's face still when she said, I'm not pregnant. 
And, uh, and you got, I mean, you probably, I don't know if you've ever done that before. It's, it's a really terrible situation, isn't it? If you've ever done that, you know, it's, it's just, it's admittedly not an easy one to get out of. But um, my mom opted for the route that actually most of us tend to do. Instead of just quietly moving on, instead of, instead of just silently moving on with our lives and not saying anything else, she opted, like we all tend to do, to pile more words on top of an already existing mess. And, um, and here's what she did. Um, she, I kid you not, um, trying to make the matter better, this is what she said, um, she extended an invitation to the new aerobics class that she joined at her gym. In the heat of the moment, that was the best that she had, that's all that she could think of, saying, you should check out my new gym. Uh, and so uh, I remember that still ingrained in my memory, and I really actually personally made a resolution after that moment never to ask that question ever. I don't care if I'm on the labor and delivery hall, and there's a woman, like, Nine months, I will not ask it. I will look at her, and I'll tell myself, don't you do it. Don't you dare do it. Don't you ask that question. It impacted me uh, that much. And we've all had episodes like that. We've all had instances in our life where as the words are coming out of our mouths, we wish we could just do a timeout, stop, recollect the words, erase them from existence completely. Now, here's why I think this is relevant for all of us. When we think about our words, the reality is tomorrow... You're not only going to speak a lot of words, almost 16,000 words, but your words also have the power to do incredible things. This is, this is kind of where we're going tonight. You have to, to realize our words hold a tremendous amount of power. They carry weight. They have the power to change lives. They have the power to ruin lives. And if that's the case, if our words are so powerful, we want to be able to make sure that we can use our words wisely that we can use our words wisely. And that is what Proverbs is going to do. In fact, uh, if you were to take the entire book of Proverbs and you were to uh, examine the entire book, really Proverbs says more about our language, more about the way that we speak, more about our words really than any other subject after wisdom itself. And if you were to boil down the entire book of Proverbs to one idea, it would be this. How you speak will make or break your life. How you speak will make or break your life. And so tonight, as we talk about our speech and we turn to the Bible to see the wisdom of God, we're hoping that we see God speak into this uh, area of our life in such a way that we'll be able to wisely speak and change the lives of other people. Now, here's the thing. Uh, When we approach this topic of speech, we're going to kind of attack it from three different angles, all right? First is going to be the power of our words. Secondly, we're going to talk about the direction of our words. And then finally, the source of our words, all right? The three different things we're going to hit tonight. The power of our words, the direction of our words, and then finally, the source of our words. Now, uh, here's what Proverbs does. It starts, and when we talk about the um, power of our words, Proverbs really helps us out because it begins with a warning. It really kind of gives us a heads up, um, kind of like if you can imagine, you know, if you're driving down the street, and uh, there's another car driving the other way, and it begins flashing its lights at you. Why do they do that? Assuming that your lights are already on. Why do they do that? Yeah, there's a cop. Yeah, they're, they're assuming, okay, as you go over this hill, there is a cop waiting for you there, waiting to pull you over if you are speeding. And so the book of Proverbs really helps us out. It does us a huge favor because it slaps like this huge warning label over our mouths and says, Beware. Your words hold a tremendous amount of power and you need to proceed with caution, the same way that you proceed with caution when those lights are flashed at you. And and this is what's going to happen. Um, When we think about the power of our words, we're going to say that our words are really powerful, probably for a number of different reasons, but here's what I want to hit on first tonight. First and foremost, 
I believe our words are powerful because our words have the power to endure. Our words have the power to endure. And, and we actually all know this. We all know this because we've all experienced different times in our lives when, uh, when the endurance of words has been a reality. In fact, we can all probably think of different instances in our lives, uh, times when words have been spoken to you, especially the types of words probably that made you really self-conscious, words that really hurt your feelings, words that angered you, words that upset you, words that embarrassed you. There are for all of us, there have been different times in our lives where we've seen that the words have power and they have the power to endure because we're continuing to deal with them, maybe even years after they were spoken. Maybe, for example, um, your dad said something to you when you were younger about the way that you look. Or your mother said something to you about the, what you would be able to accomplish one day or, or what you would never be able to accomplish one day. And those words remain in you. Maybe they were the words of an older sister and she said something to you and she didn't really mean anything by it and she's long forgotten it, but you have never let it go. Or the words of a husband, which for some reason, anytime in marriage words are spoken, for some reason they just continue to reside in there for a very, very long time. It doesn't matter how many times you say, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it that way, I didn't mean you, I meant someone like you. It doesn't really matter in those moments and within marriage, for some reason, when those words come out, they seem to just continue to float within that relationship forever. And why is that? Why do words have such the power to endure? Why do words have such the power to last for so long? And here's what um, I think Proverbs does for us. It actually helps give us an answer, starting in Proverbs 12. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them back up. Proverbs 12. I'm actually going to read from a different translation, but you're going to see it on the screen behind me. And, uh, and I think Proverbs 12, verse 18, actually gives us a, a helpful answer, answer to start. Here's what it says, Proverbs 12, verse 18. It says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Now here's what this means. Words have the power to endure because words get inside of you. Like the piercing of a sword... Here's the thing, they don't just, you know, you don't just hear words. Our ears are not the final destination, but words like the piercing of a sword, they get inside of us. And if you think about this, you know, a piercing sword, it doesn't just cut us. It gets inside of you. It moves into you deeply. And that is the very same thing that Proverbs says words do. They deeply get inside of you. Not only do they get inside of you, once they are inside of you, words are in many ways like a seed. They plant themselves. They plant themselves within you. And whether they're going to turn into a flower or a weed, they are there to stay for a very, very long time. Now let me give you an illustration for this, and maybe this will help you kind of wrap your mind around this. Uh, When Angela, my wife, and I first started dating, um, and her family was first starting to get to know me, this is at the very beginning of our relationship, Uh, unfortunately, they had a really bad habit of accidentally calling me uh, by the wrong name. They called me by the name of a previous boyfriend of Angela, um, which is, that's ever happened. That's like, that's not fun, right? Um, or, or it's probably even worse, uh, if you're the one doing it, uh, especially if it's, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend, you're calling them by the wrong name. That's really awkward. But, um, Angela's parents, for some reason, her family, her brothers, uh, had this 
propensity to uh, mistakenly call me by a previous boyfriend's name. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's kind of funny now. Uh, it was, you know, watching them squirm and trying to wiggle out of those conversations and change the subject as quickly as possible, pretend like I didn't hear that. I was like, I totally heard that. Um, but now, you know, I, or I should say, like, you know, in those moments, um, now they're funny. In those moments, even weeks after, uh, if I'm just, I'm being transparent with you guys, um, those words deeply affected me. At those, those times, those deeply affected me in such a way that I can remember, like, you know, weeks later even thinking about those, um, those instances and asking myself, like, why do they keep doing that? Like, why did they call me that? And, you know, who is this guy? And, you know, how do I compare to that guy? How do I measure up to that guy? And why can't they, why can't they just remember my name? I mean, it's Andy. It's like the easiest name to ever remember. You know, why can't they just do that? And those questions, those words would bounce around within me. Those questions would bounce around inside me for weeks and weeks. And, and why is that? Why is that? Why would that happen to me? Because words have the power to endure. Like swords, they get inside of you. Like seeds, they plant themselves. And that's exactly what happens when we examine the power of our words. We see they do really have that power. They really do have that ability to not only pierce inside of us, but they also have the ability to plant themselves and stay there for a long time. Now, the reason why I say this is because I think it's really important for us to first understand that we are going to be the type of people who speak well, if we are going to be the type of people who speak words that reflect the God who cares about us, then we need to first understand that our words have power and they have the power to endure, okay? That's the first thing we're going uh, to see tonight, the warning that Proverbs gives us uh, when it talks about the power of our words. Now, secondly, here's the second thing we're going to see. Um, our, there's also the direction of our words. Our words have Direction. Now, there's a proverb uh, in chapter 18. If you want to turn to uh, chapter 18, verse 21, I really think there's perhaps no better verse that gets at the heart of why our words are so powerful and really why this matters so much. Uh, this, I think this verse captures it. And again, I'm going to um, read from another translation. You're going to see it on the screen. It's Proverbs 18, verse 21. Here's what it says. Words kill, words give life. They're either, either poison or fruit you choose. I'm going to read it again. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Now, here's what this means. It means that our words are not neutral. Our words are not neutral. Every single word that we speak, every word that we say that leaves our lips, it's either going to move the recipients of our speech in one direction or another. It's either going to move the recipients of our speech towards life, or it's going to move the recipients of our speech towards death. Every single word is either going to be moving in one direction or another. They're either going to be life-giving, or they are going to be life-taking, but they will never be neutral. You know what? Here's the thing. I actually, when I read that proverb, when I think about that verse, I think this is really, really exciting. I think this is very exciting, and I think Ultimately, this should be an encouragement to all of us. It should be an encouragement to all of us. But I think there's an important caveat that we need to understand. Okay, so let's start with the caveat first, and then we'll move to why this is so encouraging. Now, again, if I'm thinking about myself personally and trying to examine my own speech, examine my words, examine the way that I speak, here's the thing. Um, I tend to think that there's pretty much two different ways that I speak. There's one way that when I think about, when I consider the words that I speak, the language that I use, there's one way that comes very easily to me, almost naturally to me. 
And then there's another way that I have to really work at it, okay? So there's one way of speaking that comes very naturally, very easily, requires no thought, requires no deliberation, requires no planning. And there's another way of talking that I have to really, really work at. Now here's, here's the problem, at least for me. When I think about myself personally, when I think about my own language, the way that I speak, unfortunately, the words that come most easily to me, the words that come most naturally to me, unfortunately, are just not the words that are quickly infusing life into other people. When I think about the words that come most easily to me and the words that come most naturally to me, those are typically the words that get me in trouble, right? Those are the words, the words that come most naturally to me, the words that don't require any deliberation or carefulness, those are the words that hurt people's feelings. Those are the words that, 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 that destroy people, that tear people down. Those are the words that really just come right out. And so here's the, the caveat that that Proverbs is giving us is if that's kind of the case, if those words come very naturally, the caveat that it says is that while those words might be natural, it doesn't mean that they are neutral. While those words might be natural, they come without any thought or any deliberation. It doesn't mean that they're neutral. They're still moving someone in a certain direction. Those words, honestly, those can be some of the most destructive words that we ever speak. And we all realize that we all have done this before at different times in our lives, or or, or at least we've all been the recipients of that type of language. Words that criticize, words that tear down, words that destroy, words that insult, sarcastic biting, anything like that. We've all been the recipients of that type of speech at some point in our life. And what Proverbs is saying is that those words are literally taking life out of the recipient. They are sucking life from a person. Like I said, we've all heard words like that. We've all been deeply impacted by words like that. We've all been the recipients at some point in our life of words that literally destroy us. When you hear those words, you know that they have not just longevity, not just the ability to endure, not just power behind them, but they have the ability literally to take away life. Words Like, I don't love you. Words like, I hate you. I don't trust you. You're worthless. Have you ever heard words like that before? I mean, how do those types of words affect you? Or maybe it was an insult. An insult from someone very close to you, an insult from someone you really respect and you look to, and it was a criticism or an insult about your dreams or your passions or what you really care about, and they said, you know what? You just don't even try anymore. You're just not very good at this. This, Maybe you weren't meant to do this. You should give up. Those words have the ability to, to literally steal life away from us, at least according to this proverb. But here's the thing. Again, I told you in the front end that I really feel like this is an encouragement to us. I do believe that. I really think this is one of the most encouraging verses that we can look at when it comes to our speech because although there's this caveat, and although there's, there's this pretty stern warning, I really think this is meant to be an encouragement to us. And this should encourage us because think about this. This means that we have the opportunity to literally speak life back into people. We have the opportunity to literally speak life back into people. That means I have the opportunity to use my speech in the most beautifully redemptive, grace-filled, life-altering types of way. Just If you begin to imagine how you can use your words in that way, 
I mean, it's incredible to think about how encouraging that you can be to somebody, how you can literally alter the direction of someone's life by the words that you use. Proverbs 16, 24 says that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the body. Proverbs 15, 4 says that gentle words are a tree of life. Our words contain the power to infuse purpose and meaning, health and healing, really life into other people. In fact, just last week, I had a conversation with a friend. I feel like this helps maybe even illustrate this for you. I had a conversation with a friend. We were talking about this very concept. And um, one of the things that we noticed was how interesting it is, how fascinating it really can be um, when someone compliments you, like a real thoughtful, meaningful compliment, more than just, I like your new haircut, or you look cute today, or uh, what an amazingly beautiful beard you have, sir. Uh, you know, a, a much more meaningful compliment. Something like an observation about who you are. Now, what we notice is that when you receive a compliment to that degree, when you receive a compliment in that way, isn't it fascinating how much you want to own the words of that compliment? Isn't it interesting how you want to really just embody yourself with that compliment, even if like, you never really thought of yourself that way before? In fact, um, a few months prior, um, I had another conversation with another friend, and uh, it was a long conversation. We talked for a long time, and I, I remember him saying something at the very end of the conversation that caught me off guard, and, uh, and this is what he said. He said, Andy, um, you're a really good listener. I feel like anytime I sit down with you, I, can, I feel like you really care, and you really, really listen well. <laughs> now, I don't... I, be transparent. I don't say that to boast in any way. Um, because, first of all, I've never thought of myself as a good listener. Uh, and secondly, no one else has ever told me that before, which probably proves I'm not a very good listener. But here's what it did. In that moment, here's what happened. When he told me, you're a really good listener, you know what that did to me? That made me want to be a very good listener. That impacted me. That moved me. Like, not just moved me in like, oh, that's moving. It's like, no, that's, that moved me in a certain direction, in a direction towards life that literally changed me. And I I think that really helps capture the way our words have a tremendous power to influence people in different directions, to move them towards life or to move them towards death. Our words have the power to move people in one of two directions you choose. That's what the proverb is saying. I think this is such a powerful component of uh, of when we think about our speech because here's the thing. Um, This is why this is ultimately so exciting. Tomorrow, again, you're going to use 16,000 words. And you have the ability to move someone in the direction of life or the direction of death. The words that you choose, if you choose carefully the words that you have, if you're intentional about the words that you use, if you're encouraging, if you're loving, if you're humble, you have the ability to literally infuse life into other people. Even tonight, I mean, can you imagine that? Even tonight, you have the ability, as you leave this church, you can talk to somebody, and you can, you can literally change the way their week is going to look by an encouraging word, by a, a, a word filled with hope, a word filled with love, a word filled with care. You can literally alter the direction of someone's week by your words. They hold that to power, regardless of how influential you feel like you are, regardless of your personality, regardless if you think you're an introvert, an extrovert, you have the power to literally infuse life into someone this week. Maybe it's just as simple as sending a text message, an email to somebody. Maybe it's you know, a note left on the nightstand or 
a phone call tomorrow afternoon. Your words have power. They have power to endure, but they also have the power to infuse life into other people. And that should excite us. That should excite us because it gives us an opportunity to use our speech in the most beautifully redemptive way possible. So our words have uh, power. Our words have direction. But finally tonight, we're going to see that our words, um, we're going to look at the source of our words. That's the final uh, angle that we're going to take this evening as we look at our topic of speech, uh, the source of our words. And I think really to begin with this, uh, this point, we really need to answer the question, where do our words come from? Where do our words come from? Now, why do we ask that question? Well, you know, if you're anything like me, I love the idea of my words infusing life into other people. I love the thought of being able to literally transform someone's week by the words that I choose to use. But, but if, you know, again, if I'm just being really honest with myself and honest with you, I find that incredibly difficult. That is very, very challenging to, uh, to do that consistently, meaningfully, uh, in an impactful way. That is just incredibly difficult, if not impossible, especially when I'm trying to rely on my own willpower and just an own change of mind to be able to accomplish that. It's almost impossible for us to do that. And the problem for me, it's just so difficult uh, this, for this to be the natural way that I speak. It's almost impossible for me to be able to do this. And why is that? Why is that the problem? Why is that so hard for me to be able to do? Well, if you're anything like me, I really like to um, think I know the answer to that. Uh, And I like to think the reason why this is so difficult for me to speak well is because of uh, typically my circumstances. That's usually the first kind of, you know, direction I like to go with this. I usually like to think that it's probably my circumstances, the reason why I so naturally want to speak in a way that is life-taking. So, uh, and I think about my general excuses. I'm just so exhausted right now. I'm just so stressed out right now. I'm just so tired right now. I'm just so hungry right now. Uh, Or in the Metzger house, it is hangry, which is the combination of hungry and angry at the same time, which covers about 90% of all uh, episodes that we deal with. Uh, But you know, what happens really in those moments? It's like, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I probably said something I shouldn't have said, but I'm just really tired. You know, okay, I may have crossed the line. I may have, may, have, may have been rude with you, but I'm just starving right now. You know, I, I may have been uh, harsh with the words that I chose, and I may have been mean and rude to you, but you just need to understand all the circumstances surrounding my life right now. And when you do, you'll understand that I'm completely justified in using the words that I have chosen to use. It is my circumstances. We all want to believe this, don't we? We all want to believe that the problem is outside of us. That it has something to do with somebody else or something else, our circumstances, other people, our kids who have been driving us crazy all day long, but it's never me. It's always something outside of me. Now, here's the problem with that line of thought. As much as we all want to look outside of ourselves for the cause of our words, as much as we all want to look outside of ourselves for the, for the reasons why our words are the way they are, uh, the reason why it's most easily, most naturally to be able to speak in such a harsh, critical, demeaning, destructive type of way, the reason why we all want to uh, look outside of ourselves is because we rarely want to look inside and think that the problem resides here. And um, here's what I want to do. I want to I'm going to do a little bit of an illustration, okay? And this is going to require some audience participation, but this is simple, okay? I'm hoping this goes over well. Um, I need you to participate, but don't overthink it because this isn't super complicated. I got my uh, Nalgene here. 
my REI faithful now gene. And um, here's what I want to do. I'm going to do something. I just want you to kind of respond here with me. Ready? Everyone ready? Everyone watching? Okay. It's kind of intense. Here we go. Okay, let me ask you a question. Why did the water come out of the bottle? Okay, because I shook it. You guys are so smart. Give yourself a round of applause. No, actually, let me do that. Yeah, okay, you can do that. Okay, let me, um, that's very good. I shook it. That's why the water come out. Now, let me ask you another question. Let me uh, change this a little bit and uh, just make one quick alteration. I've got another faithful Nalgene bottle, also from REI. Um, you ready? Why didn't any water come out of the bottle? Because there was nothing to start there to begin with. What Proverbs says is the very same thing applies to our mouths. I just soaked my Bible. That's not good. <laughs> Proverbs says the very same thing applies to our mouths. And when we are shaken by life, what comes out of us was already inside of us. In fact, Jesus says the very same thing. He gets to the heart of this when he, in Luke chapter 6. Luke actually has a book in the New Testament that we're going to start looking at on Easter Sunday, two weeks from tonight. We'd love for you to be there. It's going to be so important for you to be there. Invite some friends. But Jesus gets to this. He addresses this very thing in Luke chapter 6. He says, it is out of our hearts that our mouths speak. It is out of our hearts that our mouths speak. And what he's trying to do is break down the propensity that we all have to look outside of ourselves for the cause of what we say or what we do. He's trying to break the propensity that we all have to blame others, other people, other circumstances, for the reason why we speak the way that we do. And what he's trying to do is help us, maybe for the very first time in our lives, to look within ourselves and say, maybe the problem resides here. Maybe the problem is me. Now here's the thing. This is I just tell you, this is why this matters so much. This is why this is so incredibly important. If you haven't listened to anything else I've said tonight, please listen to this. Jesus was sent to the cross because of our words. Jesus was sent to the cross because of our words. The words that have been spoken to you, those words that have been maybe so destructive and insulting, and demeaning, the words that we have spoken ourselves, those words that were careless and rash and insulting as well, those words that have been spoken to us and those words that we have spoken ourselves, those words did not just impact other people. They did not just affect other people. They may not have even just harmed other people. But those words, what the Bible tells us, those words were actually an insult and an attack to God himself. They were an attack to God himself. And so our words therefore sent Jesus to the cross because Jesus in our place willingly chose to die for our sins, literally for our words, the words that we have spoken that have been so critical and demeaning and destructive. He died because of those words in our place. But here's the most beautiful thing. One of the most beautiful things about the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can't miss, we really can't miss. Although my words sent Jesus to the cross, although my words killed Jesus. His words brought us life. Isn't that beautiful? 
Although my words killed him, his words brought us life because Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is life. And if we receive him, we receive life. As we close tonight, let me just say this. I recognize that you probably have been deeply impacted. There's no doubt. You've probably been deeply impacted by a number of words spoken to you by other people. And all of us, at some point in our lives, we recognize that we've made a mess of our own lives because of those careless words that we've spoken, those harsh words that we've spoken. But here's what our prayer is for you. Here is what our prayer is for you tonight and really for all of life when it comes to our words. When you think about all those words that have ever been spoken to you or the words that have come out of your own mouth, our prayer is that you would believe that God has spoken already a greater word. God has spoken a greater word. He has spoken a word that trumps every word ever spoken to you, a word that trumps every word that's left your mouth. He he, he has spoken a word, really a word that our hearts need more than anything else. Because ultimately, here's what Jesus tells us, that the only thing that will ever redirect our words is a change in what directs our hearts. The only thing that will ever redirect our words is a change in what directs our hearts. And that is what Jesus offers us. That is exactly what Jesus offers. He comes, and when he came to this world, he set a brand new agenda. He had a brand new agenda, unlike any other religious leader. He came not just trying to correct our moral behavior, not just try to make us better citizens, not just try to uh, even help us speak in a more winsome way. What Jesus came to do was to capture the hearts of men. And not just even redirect our hearts. Jesus takes this a little bit further. And what Jesus said is, I came to replace your hearts, to literally take out a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh so the Spirit of God could dwell within the people of God. And that is what he wants to do for us. That is exactly what Jesus extends to us. When our words literally take Jesus to the cross, his words bring us life. And he speaks the most important word that we could ever hear. Words that heal our hearts. Words that heal our mouths. Because Jesus has said to us, well done, good and faithful servant. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And when you hear those words, when you receive those words, when you're able to walk in those words, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. When you hear those words to the degree that they resonate with your soul, only then are you finally free to receive the wisdom of God, to speak the truth of God, to walk in the grace of God because you have ultimately received the word of God through Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your word that you've spoken to us in the midst of all kinds of words that can be spoken any given day, words that have destroyed us, words that have criticized us, words that have insulted us, we know that those are the type of words that we too are guilty of speaking, but Lord, it is so beautiful to know and so encouraging to know and so exciting to know that your words are much greater than our words and the power that your words hold more powerful than the words that we will ever speak in an entire lifetime. God, tonight we're just so thankful for the opportunity to be able to use our words to encourage one another, to love one another, to speak truth to one another. But ultimately, Father, we desire to receive your word.
to receive the word of God, and that is Jesus. So God, we give you all the thanks and all the glory for tonight. We pray all these things in your name because we love you, because you love us even more. Amen.